I'm never going to cheat on my wife. sports metaphors welcome back to zero credits the show where we talk about things my name's huddle henry and my name's while some of you are most likely yelling go patriots or go rams i'll be yelling go robert muller and the rule of law john that's right and together we're coming together to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist and there's only Unfortunately, one thing happening in the zeitgeist right now. Right. One apolitical thing is happening in the zeitgeist as we speak here on Tuesday, February 9th, 2021. Which, as we've discussed, statistically is the year, <laughs> the day of the week where everything that is important in the last week would have already happened. So, you know, assume nothing important is going to happen until the next time you hear from us. And the only thing that happened this past week was in a celebration of the sport of football and the culmination of an entire season's worth of highs and lows, culminating in what can only be described as Big Game 55. That's right. We all uh, across the nation decided that we wanted to watch the Big Game 55. 50, it's the 55th, I don't know, a little bit of trivia for you. This is the 55th big game. Oh, wow, that's really great. I, did, I had no idea they had 55 other of these. They should have put that, like, somewhere in the name. I think they should have, but, you know, it had all, all your favorites. Tim Bradshaw, Tom Bradshaw. <laughs> yeah, you got Tim and Tom Bradshaw, you know, the Bradshaw boys. You had uh, Kurt Holmes and Patrick Malone's. All of the football greats all on the field. All of them doing the damn old thing. Uh, I have no idea how to segue into talking about what beers we're drinking. I wish there was some connection between the watching of football and the drinking of beer, but I'll be damned if I can find one. Yeah, there's no through line there, John. I think we're just going to have to force it. Uh, I am drinking a pecan porter. We're back to the basics. Dryish January is over. I, I'm back on... Off the wagon? I don't know the expression. It depends on the wagon, you know. If if your wagon is drinking, you're back on it. But if your wagon is sobriety, you've fallen off. Yeah, something like that. The, uh, the wagon is your dreams. I'm, of course, drinking. Of course. This is actually huge news, Henry. I'm, I'm waited, waiting, wait, I'm waiting with bated breath. And now that I've made you respond, thus increasing your engagement, uh, I would like to say that it appears 
that the distribution of one Pint House Pizza Brewing Company's electric jellyfish has reached my local HEB, and now I am a short walk away from buying my favorite beer pretty much in the world. Well, that sounds pretty great. This is great. Uh, The only place I've ever been able to buy this in the past has literally been from a place that sells pizza and is seven miles away. And now, finally, it's reached your local HEB, so you can get it any time of the week. Thus, you are entering officially, John, the danger zone. Yes, unfortunately, much like the danger zone of a hurricane, which is uh, (laughs) the eyewall of atomic force winds... Uh, I am now uh, in the atomic force winds of, I don't know, alcoholism. To get to to understand that reference, please check out our supplemental reading of the Hurricane Heist. You can find it directly below this podcast. So give that a listen. And now, John, we have only one thing to do. Our beers are introduced. We're sipping them. We cracked open the cold ones with the boys. Let's talk about this big game. Yes, big game, 55. Uh, Interesting for a number of reasons. Can you hear that I'm pouring the beer while I'm talking? No, I can't hear that. But I'm sure the very uh, detailed-oriented microphone in front of you can definitely pick that up. Okay, good, great. Uh, Yes, big game, 55. Interesting in that apparently... Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I don't often pay attention to to football. And that's not – I feel like I give this explanation every year. But I it's think not you because do. I think football's like dumb or whatever. I just don't watch it. I, I don't know. I, I don't have an antenna or whatever. You need to watch sports. You definitely need a sports antenna wired directly to your brain. And uh, I've fallen off the wagon of watching sports uh, lately just because it takes – so much time and if i'm already going to be strapped to a job i don't like five days out of the week i'm not about to give up one of my days one of my afternoons entirely to dedicate it to just watching football and ads and stuff so i really only tuned in for the playoffs and only when the saints had a chance at at going to the super bowl and then once they were out i just stopped watching until the super bowl so i got to skip one whole week of the playoffs and I, I don't really come from a from a football family either. I don't know. I find it hard to dedicate any uh, prolonged period of time to anything. I watched basketball for a while. Uh, like we watched The Last Dance and that made us both want it to get into basketball. But that hasn't happened because we're nerds. But every year without fail, pretty much every year of my life, I have watched the big game. The big game was just always a tradition in my household. We got to eat party snack food and it was like one of the only occasions we could do that. And then that just carried on to college where it's like, well, there's literally nothing else going on in the month of February. So we might as well get together in somebody's dorm room and watch the big game. It's just like a a community thing. And then we always just make fun of the commercials and make fun of the game. And it's just, a lot of camaraderie and you get to check the pulse of where marketers think the the nation is although i'm starting to wane on that theory a little bit yeah this uh i don't know if this is letting the genie out of the bottle too much maybe it's because for the last year we've been in the this country has been in the grips of a global pandemic with states flip-flopping between like cdc stage 4 and stage 5 <laughs> 
Uh, and some states have like opened back up or whatever. But we've been in the midst of this for like a year. Uh, maybe it's fatigue from that. Maybe it's about the genuine quality of what we watched. But this was like the single most joyless sporting event I have ever witnessed. Yeah, I I will say there was a Patriots Super Bowl, I want to say two years ago. That was more joyless for me just because the game itself was very boring. This game at least had like scoring and there was drama on the field and Patrick Mahomes was doing his fucking damnedest to, to get the ball in the players' hands and his, his teammates just kept dropping it left and right. So there was some sort of like excitement, but that was kind of dashed by the end of the third quarter where it just became increasingly obvious that Tom Brady is just a really great football player and nothing can stop him. I mean, it's uh have we said what teams were playing? The Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here's the problem. And I remember, like, I think it was the Rams-Patriots game from, like, 2019 that also sucked. Uh, Turns out when you combine, like, having a really good defense and also Tom Brady, it, like, is uh, entertainment poison for sports. But it's so crazy because, like, in every sports movie... To keep it interesting, they always have the game be close, right? But but life isn't a movie, and when you're really, really good at something, and you go up against somebody else who's really, really good at something, sometimes one, one force is just so much better than the other force that it's kind of not even a competition. Yeah, I mean, if, if someone is like a marvel of sports and nutritional medicine, and they have like an incredible team, particularly an incredible defense, then like the, the things that you want out of sport just won't happen. There will not be a traditional back and forth. It's just going to look like a a series of well-calculated plays up against a lot of weird bumbling because I don't know when a team is getting clowned on, it's easy for them to look like they're not playing well, which was definitely true of the chiefs. Well, also compounding the the not playing well feeling was the fact that this referee team decided to play a very, very close game and that they were going to call everything they saw. They weren't yes. going to let things slide. Any minor infraction, they were penalizing. And so it, it even – it felt like, look, Kansas City's getting beaten up on by Tampa Bay and now the refs are piling on. And all of that just doesn't feel good. Even like even if you were on Tom Brady's side, it's kind of like, you know, the, the 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 Chiefs had ten penalties for over a hundred yards, and it's like at that point, the Tampa Bay even win the game, or were they just handed the game? Look, I think we can all cut the refs a little bit of slack and say. We've all been cooped up inside for a long time. When we get the opportunity to be social, we kind of talk too much. We pay too much attention. We're just excited to be included. So the refs were like, hey, you know, they're not adjusted to being socialized yet again. So it was kind of awkward. But we've all been there. Right, right, exactly. 
I don't know. It's, so the game itself was just kind of like, eh, you know? Yeah. The uh, But thank God everything surrounding the game, real, real pulse-pounding entertainment. Yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how to carry out. The commercials were all so bad. <laughs> I, I, there was I, some segue between the big game and its commercials, but I'll be damned if we can think of one. I I can't. I I don't know. There there were a number of commercials, like there always are, and they broke up the action of kind of a boring game, but they were also kind of boring themselves. I don't know. I I think I might disagree with you a little bit, not in that they weren't boring. Um but maybe it's because the situation we've been living in for a while has like effectively radicalized a lot of people, maybe myself included, against certain elements of culture. Uh, but man, the commercials for the most part seemed pretty, at best, like ignorant, at worst, like totally tone deaf, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so uh, I felt a like huge... we were watching commercials from another world. It looks like they were filmed and written and directed for the world we aren't living in. Right. I, I mean, there, there was a sentiment, and there still is a sentiment during this, this uh, oh, I don't want to say it, these uncertain times, John, where it's the like... The current you know, environment. <laughs> where or local restaurants, you know, support them, support your local restaurants. And... Uh, so one of the commercials was DoorDash saying like, eat, you know, order from local restaurants. But the practice of DoorDash is to like steal money from local places with all of their, their, their fees and like give less money to the restaurant. So it's like, that's a huge miscommunications there. I would like to take this time. <laughs> I would like to take this time to do something that I would like to call John is very irritated at commercials. And there's yes. going to be a few of these. Okay. But for Uber Eats with their Wayne's World thing, which like, oh, I, fe- I feel like the bring back something from the 80s and 90s plus add a current celebrity thing has been done at every big game forever. Yeah, yeah. No, it, like that that's the one that they always keep going back to, but for sure, yeah, the the Uber Eats Wayne's World and for some reason Cardi B shameless manipulation which was basically just a joke from the movie. I mean, there I don't know, the the way that we do it seems like the way that and this is also true of the new coming to America film, but it seems to be the way we do uh, like remakes and sequels now of significantly old properties is the only joke is, isn't it crazy how modern culture, which is right. the, the laziest writing, uh, silly, dumb. My bigger problem. And the one I really want to get to uh, is the, I think it's DoorDash neighborhood Sesame street X David digs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So to be clear, this commercial features two extremely powerful things in society, Sesame Street and David Diggs. <laughs> uh, two titans of culture. I mean, absolutely. I, I think that, they, like, David Diggs, very smart guy, and also, like, the best part of, like, the most successful musical of our lives. 
but also Sesame Street, like it, it cannot be overstated the importance Sesame Street has in our culture. Uh, and they just, they shilled for DoorDash, which DoorDash is like the worst food delivery company in terms of its fees, essentially vaporizing a restaurant's profit. Absolutely. Yeah. Even Uber Eats is better. And the fact that like they they frame this like, oh, support your, let me be as clear as possible. Sesame Street is the closest we can get to a socialist institution in the United States. And they sold out for DoorDash. Yeah. Sesame Street should be totally Marxist. Like Sesame Street, I know they like moved to HBO or something, and maybe that's when the worm turned. But socialist Sesame Street, the the socialist Sesame Street streak, I'm trying to be as alliterative as possible, has like existed as long as I've been alive. Children get Sesame Street for free. Sesame Street is everywhere. It's democratized. It teaches children to learn. It introduces them to culture and concepts and people with different abilities. Sesame Street, I think for the most part, is an objective good. And it's really annoying that in the current environment... Sesame Street is used to sell something that's really to the detriment of your community. While framing it as a good thing to the community. Like it's like, not only is it trying to gloss over how bad the company is using bright, colorful characters, but it's using the, the wholesome nature of Sesame Street, the, you know, the, the community aspect of Sesame Street to directly harm the community. Like, yeah, and, and you know, DoorDash is better than nothing. It's not that their fees and their commissions totally evaporate the profits a restaurant can make, but they can do it largely. Like, if if you're going to order from a restaurant, call them directly if they deliver, if not, do takeout. And then if they don't do any of those things, use like Chow Now or Lunch Drop or one of these places that doesn't actually take a bunch of their money in commissions. Right. Like, don't 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 do that. Don't do that. Don't. It's just really annoying. Like I still consider Sesame Street to be like a force for public good, and to see it used for something that is like the worst version of supporting your community, it's just really annoying. It, it is, and it it that one was really early on. It, it aired in the first quarter, the DoorDash, the neighborhood commercial. And it kind of was like the first instance of like a tone deaf commercial. Um, but there were others that. Def- oh, no, surely not. There weren't. <laughs> the DoorDash one annoyed me, but I would actually say maybe it's one of the, the least harmful ones. Yeah. I, so let's just focus on the ones we didn't like so far. Um, so definitely DoorDash, the neighborhood. Um the Chipotle can a burrito change the world commercial I felt was just kind of just don't even remember it. Yeah, it it wasn't it's not a Super Bowl commercial. It's like two kids, one they're eating burritos and one's like can a burrito change the world? It changes the way we farm. It changes the way we blah blah blah. It's just like shut up. I mean, Chipotle it's not a bloodless organization. They 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 don't not have blood on their hands. Right. Um, other ones I didn't like. I didn't like the Indeed commercial because I applied for one of their jobs at their company and they still haven't gotten back to me. And it's been over two weeks. So I just didn't like seeing them. 
I mean, I didn't like the Indeed commercial because it seemed to be, didn't like, I don't know. It was one of the few that like directly addressed the current environment where it's like, we've been locked inside. If only there was some website that could solve my problems through the capitalist system by giving me a job. Right. Yeah, I, there was the Rocket Mortgage Certain is Better commercial or Chase. Truly Morgan. don't, truly don't like that one. A lot of people actually seem to think that commercial was like one of the standouts, but I don't oh, think it's God. a. I don't know. I I want uh, I want Tracy Morgan to get work. You know. Yeah, no, I like Tracy Morgan, and it, it feels like he's being typecast as this Tracy Jordan character from Thirty Rock, where. I don't know. He I mean, in a lot of ways, stupid. Tracy Jordan was like a caricature of what Tracy Morgan kind of is because he's a he's an odd guy. Yeah, but I feel like they're I don't know the, the way that Tracy Morgan has been used for a while is just very strange. You used to get the feeling when Tracy Morgan was in things that he would ad lib and they'd keep it because he was just kind of a a weird A to Z dude. Yeah. But now it feels like they're writing what they feel like Tracy Morgan should say. I, I feel know. like that's what's happening, yeah. Where, like, his ad-libs are now becoming his entire character. It's like when he's on, like, a, when he used to be on, like, morning shows ten years ago, and he would, like, climb up on the desk and remove his shirt and say that he was pregnant, and he would, like, poke out his stomach and ask people to touch his belly. That's Tracy Morgan stuff. <laughs> that is... That is hardcore Tracy Morgan and not whatever they're writing for him to say now. Yeah. I was always a fan of his Brian Fellows skits where he was an animal expert that could never control his animals. It was great. Tracy Morgan, real, real treasure. Uh, I'm get Brian well soon. Fellows. Uh, moving on, there was the Oatly Wow No Cow commercial. I have a lot to say about this. I have a, I have a lot to say. All right, so I'll set the scene. The commercial is it, uh, a man on a keyboard in the middle of a wheat field, and on, on a cloudy key- day, on a cloudy day, and on that wheat field is a glass of milk and a carton of milk, and there's a little Chiron's not the right word, but there's a little infographic that says the, the person's name and then Oatly CEO, and the man is playing the piano. Better than I could, I guess. He's playing that keyboard and he's singing a song that is just truly terrible. And that goes on for about 30 seconds and that's the entire commercial. Yeah, it's like milk, but for humans. Is that some of the lyrics? I think it's, if you could describe it as the chorus, uh, that would be the chorus. Wow. I, uh, I didn't enjoy this commercial. And I thought, wow, like they really just shot themselves in the foot with that brand because it seemed like they made the commercial bad on purpose so people would talk about it. But all people that I saw were saying was, I'm never buying that oat milk again. I mean, there was a somewhat clever turn in that on their website, they were giving away shirts that like said, wow, I totally hated that Oatly commercial or whatever, um, which is cute for a second. Here, here's my outrage. So this is misguided, I think. So I want to say, first of all, 
Oatly is probably like the single best tasting alternative to milk. Like Oatly is genuinely delicious. They make like a full fat and a low fat version. Both are delicious. Both have like wide ranging applications from like coffee because the full fat one has like a higher fat content. It can froth. You can bake with it. You can just drink it. It's nutritious. It's delicious. Most importantly, Oat milk is like way more environmentally sustainable than almond milk, soy milk, cashew or pea milk, like all other milk alternatives pale in comparison to how cheap and environmentally sustainable oat milk is. So oat milk has the ball in its court right now to really change the world. And Oatly, the best tasting brand, really keeps fucking up. Like, Oatly could be so big. Even on, I was, I don't know, I bought some Oatly with my groceries because Oatly's delicious. And even reading it, there's a side where it's like, this is the side where we typically tell you about our brand, but we're not going to do that. It's like, fuck off. Just be a brand, be delicious, have decent marketing, and let your incredible milk made from oats change the world, you idiots. It's funny, but it... it it feels like Oatly is just another instance of the long line of instances that this podcast has run into that shows anti-marketing doesn't work. Anti-marketing sounds fun if you have no experience marketing. And the second you do it, weird, it doesn't actually work. And just to be clear, that is the only environment where people think the anti-version of the thing works if you're an author you don't think you're going to be successful with anti-writing unless you're like cormac mccarthy or something well even he wrote though i don't know if you're a musician you could be like john cage and do anti-music but you can only do that once like right marketing is the only place where people think wouldn't it be cool and edgy if i did the opposite and newsflash motherfucker it never works and this is a lesson that we've learned painfully and personally over the course of the past five years because i thought wouldn't it be great if we just didn't market the podcast and we anti-marketed the podcast and Look where that's gotten us over the past five years. Yes, five years of negative success. Also, I would maybe argue that it is uh, something we have felt not necessarily learned from uh, so much. Because I think that this podcast is still effectively anti-marketed. Yeah, I mean, I've been reaching out a little bit on Twitter more lately with, you know, Google and the podcast suggestion thing and then... I'll, I, what I do now, because I feel like this is kind of the anti-marketing strategy we have now, is people ask for podcast suggestions, and I'll suggest other podcasts. <laughs> Great. Perfect. And then, like, at the end of the suggestion, I'll be like, or oh, you can listen to us, to us, but it's whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's soft anti-marketing. That might get you somewhere. But, man... So angry about Oatly because you, as you know, someone who drinks uh, oh, you, dev- come on, devilish come on. cow's milk. You can call me a milk drinker. I can take it. Okay, you milk drinker. What the fuck, John? Why would you call me that? You piece. I look. I will take. We will fight. I will fight you every day of the week. <laughs> well, if you fight me, my bones will break because I haven't drank any milk. <laughs> 
But I'm just saying you as someone who like drinks milk, maybe in a world where this Oatly commercial didn't exist, you might drink Oatly because you'd be like, weird, oat milk, why not? And you try it and it'd be delicious. And the, the funny thing replace is... replace your cow's milk, but maybe you drink it every once in a while, you know? Yeah, the funny thing is though, that commercial was so bad, but then like your visceral reaction started a conversation in the room about this oat milk and you, you, you taught you taught me about how it's environmentally sustainable and it's the best one out of all the alternatives and it's actually really good and i think we might actually try it now whereas if i had been alone in the room and i had seen that commercial i would never try it so what you're saying is that their marketing strategy was actually to enrage people who like the brand enough to become brand ambassadors. It, it, it was kind of like you were so disappointed in what they had done that you felt the need to kind of defend them. And that inspired me to be like, well, if John and Allison like it so much, then maybe we can try it too, you know? Unfortunately, I would have to advise you if you did try it. I would, you have to go for Oatly because all, here's the thing about making milk from oats. If you don't do it right, it gets slimy. Uh, and most brands haven't figured out how not to make that happen. It seems like all you have to do is like uh, super pasteurize it, like superheat it, which Oatly does, uh, but other brands don't. So if you buy it, Unfortunately, I have to advise you to buy Oatly because it's the only one that tastes good. Okay. Uh, so their marketing, unfortunately, in this case will work. But I highly recommend oat milk. Like oat milk rocks. Even if I was someone who consumed milk, if I tried oat milk, I would probably still have it every once in a while. Well, all right then. Shame their commercial sucked. <laughs> yeah, it's a real shame. Fuck that guy. Also, you're probably going to be put off by the actual containers of Oatly because, like I said, hadn't read them before. They're full of that weird, like, anti-marketing stuff. We'll get it on the – so, like, on the top floor, the top shelf of our refrigerator, we have to, like, store the milk so the top of it is facing us. Right. And even the top says, like, wow, no cow. Shut up. That's actually the name of the commercial. Is it? Yeah, wow, no cow. Uh... Yeah. I'm not going to get angry about milks anymore. We'll move on. Who knows? Um, what else we have to get mad about? Like, Dr. Squatch, you're not a dish. <laughs> I fucking hate. You know, most of these commercials I'm going to be very mad about. The commercials that, like, lean heavily in shaming you into feeling like you're not a man because you do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Throw them directly in the garbage. I think that's all I have to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no, you know, there's no perfect mold or definition of what a man is. So, like, you could do whatever you want. You could take bubble baths and still be a man. You can do anything in any direction and still be a man. Please stop advertising things as though it makes you less or or not as much of a man because you're not a man unless you smell like tobacco and eucalyptus in this one shot commercial i'm gonna tell you how my soap is gonna make your balls smell like the taj mahal yeah there's the good wordplay there it sucks uh that brings us to the halftime show i guess 
quick thing about the Dr. Squatch thing. Last thing I'll say. They make like a... Something about their soaps is like, oh, they smell like beers sometimes, like an IPA. If you go to like local farmer's markets or local like art bazaars, if you have things like that, you can typically buy locally made soaps that smell way better. And some of them are literally made using beer. So go... Do that and don't support Dr. Squatch. I love smelling like an alcoholic. My beer right now is literally made with an IPA and it smells delicious. I've been told. (laughs) You've been told? Yeah, by strangers. Uh, So, yes, the halftime show I thought was pretty well done. It was the weekend. They, they, He sang some songs. He did some dances. They made part of the stadium a stage. And then it, he ended it on the field. I thought it was really well done. There was an us sort of homage or or nod. And um, a lot of articles were written about it, about why all of his ba- backup performers were wearing masks. And uh, that's what happens, I guess, when The weekend does a halftime show. Nobody really is familiar with The weekend's work because those masks are just from one of his albums. It had nothing to do with COVID. Uh, yeah, I... I thought the, I don't know, uh, for the weekend's halftime show, I know that it had to be slightly different than past halftime shows for a few different reasons. I think they did a really good job with what they had. I like the weekend. I have not listened to any of his new stuff. Really, once he started being played on the radio, I got really weird and pretentious about it. Uh, but he's good. He's a showman. I did a really good job. I'm wondering... I don't know. Was there like a weird graveyard thing with the city and then everyone was dead at the end? Is that about COVID? There was a weird thing. Uh, somebody pointed out this was a live tweet that's like really weird for the uh, only the only unmaxed man to be the, the, the one to walk away at the end. But otherwise, <laughs> oh, no. okay. I mean, as we know, The weekend is a uh, anti-masker through and through. No, he isn't. Oh, no. No, the weekend's very. I don't know what the weekend's opinions are. I'm not going to speak to them. <laughs> I saw another headline that was like, probably a good idea with all this social distancing to go with the King Hermit of Pop for the halftime show. <laughs> I was like, who gave him that title? <laughs> who called him King? Is he. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? Better, what better time in COVID coronavirus than br- to bring the turtle hermit of pop music himself, <laughs> Mr. The Weeknd, out of retirement? It's like, I'm pretty sure he's been on Saturday Night Live. He- he's had concerts. How could he be a king hermit, turtle hermit? I- what is happening? I uh, I don't know that I would call The Weeknd a hermit at all. Yeah. I thought he did well, you know. Yeah, the weekend always looks different than I remember, especially now. Um, I don't know. I feel like the combination of a red blazer with mustache always makes me feel like people look like Richard Pryor, which isn't fair. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I thought he did a really good job. Halftime show was good. It wasn't the weird, bombastic, sweaty, naked halftime show we're used to. And it didn't have our... Uh, what we're accustomed to, which is the customary halftime show plot twist. But, you know, maybe we were getting a little tired of that. It was nice to just have a straight through and through halftime show, you know? Yeah, it was a, a mini version of uh, probably one of his concerts. And, you know, what what more can we ask for from, from a, a halftime show? 
I'm just happy he got asked to do it or he paid to do it. I don't know how it works. I don't. I also don't know. Uh, but thank God all those people with their fake face cutouts with their cameras inside of them get to see him. Yeah, great. Are we gonna? Should we talk about that? <laughs> the whole the, stadium the, being partially filled with weird cardboard cutouts of people with webcams attached to them. Does that matter? I don't know if it matters all that much. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, Super Bowl shouldn't have happened anyway. Yeah, it shouldn't have. Let's get back to these commercials. Uh, the, the third, the third quarter commercial started with a uh, very the third quarter where I. I was not drinking. I had two beers that night. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would say that the third quarter is when I started to uh, enter the phase that I typically enter where I'm drinking, which I call the sads. But I was pretty much stone cold sober, but I was still very ex- existentially sad. It was pretty sad, the third quarter. And it started with Samuel L. Jackson saying... Hey, gamers. Hey, gamers. Attention, gamers. Attention, all gamers. Verizon doesn't have lag, but it's it's a phone company. <laughs> uh, listen, Verizon, you had to tell me that that was for Fortnite. I did, and I, I don't think I was correct. Oh, were you not? Maybe it was Fortnite-esque, but then it turned out to be Verizon. I guess you can play Fortnite on your phone. Was, was I don't it know. just supposed to be like a lot of characters who seemed to... So they were rendered as 3D models of relatively low fidelity. So I guess it could be construed that they were characters from video games. Right, right. Oh, but it is but, called Fortnite verizon's fortnite inspired super bowl ad inspired super bowl ad so not officially tied to fortnite but just generic enough so that it could be construed as being fortnite i do want to be i I just want to read basically a description of this okay uh, Verizon is targeting gamers with a Super Bowl ad starring an animated avatar of Samuel L. Jackson. The minute-long ad, which ran in the third quarter of Sunday's big game, that was features a the minute? actor lecturing a crowd of characters in the game Fortnite. Okay. Uh, his speech abruptly ends when Pitt- Pittsburgh Steelers star Juju Smith-Schuster swoops in on the back of a giant fish that swallows Jackson whole. <laughs> right. Uh, incredible. You know, video games. Yeah, really good shout out to Jackson Hole, Wyoming there at the end. Uh, whatever. Uh, it's just anything that addresses gamers automatically bums me out a little bit. Hey, gamers. Ugh. I find that the Venn diagram of uh, what marketing companies consider to be gamers and me are growing in cre- these two circles growing farther and farther apart. And if I'm not a gamer, what the hell am I? I I don't... I feel like the word gamer is so loaded these days. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, gamer means, like, you you hate women, um, (laughs) you're ableist, sexist, transphobic. Yeah. And now there's, like... There's gaming influencers now that... Like Ninja or PewDiePie, like that doesn't really represent gamers. That represents 
entertainers in the gaming industry. I it's did gotten see. To a po- <laughs> it's really gotten to a point where, like, I will. I don't know. My idea of playing video games is I bought a Dragon Ball Z fighting game. I'm playing the Yakuza games again on PC. And also, like, I'm playing through Xenogears for the PlayStation. And I don't know that I'd call myself someone who plays video games uh, because I don't want to identify as whatever a gamer is. But I do spend a shocking amount of my time doing uh, the playing of video games. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy video games. I play them when I can, and but I don't participate in, like, these gaming moments or whatever. Um, but there is somebody who I follow on Twitter who, who responded to this commercial. No, God, please don't pander to the gamers during this. They don't deserve it. <laughs> I mean, uh, fair. Isn't this whole thing like, and it has no lag? Or yeah, that's the whole thing. Whatever, I don't know. It's stupid. <laughs> what, I'm not going to use my Samuel fucking Jackson. phone. To... Sorry. Samuel Jackson, famed actor, saying your ping will be so low. Yeah, I'm not going to use my fucking phone to play a video game, though. Like, that's not gaming. Gaming is like PCs and five hundred dollar count consoles that are never in stock. Listen, it has low latency, so when you play PUBG Mobile. You can get the kills with your thumbs, gamers. Yay. Anyway. I don't think I've advanced to the point where I consider people who play video games on their phones to be playing video games. I right. think that's me being an ancient gatekeeper, though. We are we are skeletal gatekeepers holding our rusted halibirds in front of the gate saying, No new technology. You we are must not protect gamers. the Skeleton King. We must protect the Skeleton King. Long live Reggie Filsame. Exactly. Oh. Samuel Jackson, take that paycheck, but never say the word gamer again in your life. Yeah, I mean, we just have to look forward to Matthew McConaughey uh, beckoning gamers. Oh my god, I no. We're going to talk about him a little later. Let's move on real quick. Uh, Squarespace 5 to 9 made me sick. Uh, this, you know, we don't have a lot of time for my outrage on this. I think you can know why I'm upset. But like, the fact nine- that we've got... The fact that we've gotten to a point as a society where we have to celebrate side hustles... Because everyone has one, and like you have, you can only work on it during your at, off hours. Like that is kind of like a go fuck yourself. Working five to nine, wage l- labor is not enough for living. It's okay. My issue with this is not with Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton, get that check. Give us a COVID vaccine. Whatever people seem to like, Dolly Parton. I don't find anything wrong with her. And right. I like her quite a bit. Um, so that's fine. But people don't... I don't know. The the concept of working 9 to 5... Like, when we first said, oh, I'm working 9 to 5. 9 to 5 job. Uh, that was actually, like, huge. Because working a job that kept you to an 8-hour day, 5 days a week. Massive wins by labor unions across the United States. Uh, the fact that a nine to five job can exist is huge. And the fact that we are now 
like reverting that back to saying, gotta work however many hours it takes to make rent. Not cool. Yeah. I I got no more to there's, say about there's, it. There's, there's no... There's it's no, absolutely that. There's no redeeming it. Like, you and I are both very lucky in that we have jobs that pay the bills and allow for us to afford a relatively, like, comfortable lifestyle with moments of largesse. But there are so many people who have to balance their full-time job with piecemeal, like, servant work through apps that barely pay you for really hard work through the night. Yeah. Like there are people who are scraping by working like 12 to 16 hour days. And this song is a celebration of them because we've decided, ah, side hustles are the way forward. No dude, your life should, your life should be in thirds though. I think that the way society should work at a minimum is that you should spend about a third of your life working, about a third of your life playing, and about a third of your life sleeping. Absolutely, yeah. If it could actually be that, it would be great. The The unfortunate thing, and I've thought about this a lot, is that one of the thirds is like split in half because you have to get ready for work and drive to work, and then you have to drive home from work, and then you have to like cook dinner and feed yourself. And then it's playtime for a couple hours and then you got to go to sleep. So like that, that one third for play is split up in the morning and then in the evening. It just doesn't quite work out to be a full third. And also work doesn't, I'm on the clock or like I'm, I'm obligated to work not for eight hours, but for nine hours because one of those hours is lunch and I'm not paid for that. What the fuck is up with that shit? Yeah, an unpaid lunch should be illegal. Uh, I mean, nine to five, that's eight hours with an included hour-long lunch break. That's what unions fought for. Nine that's to what it should be. A, nine to fives were a big deal. It's I know. Scary. I'm on the sad. clock from eight to five. It's just sad. It's stupid. Anyway, let's get really mad, John, because it's time. we got We got here. I think you know what I'm going to say next. I I think you do, and I'm already boiling. Jeep. Uh, do you Jeep want to describe the, audacity. the Jeep commercial? Jeep had the audacity to air a commercial with Bruce Brings- Springsteen, of all people, and, and got to be the most crosses featured in a national broadcast television commercial about how now is the time to come together and unify. Okay. I would like to deliver my thoughts on the Jeep commercials in two segments. The first segment, the one that I will stand by is my genuine ideological critique of the Jeep commercial. The second one, my cat is here. The second uh, segment is one that I do not stand by, and should anyone from Jeep listen to it, I will say it is uh, meant for humorous purposes only, and that is what I would like to call an attack on the Jeep Corporation. (laughs) (laughs) The first part that I stand by is this commercial is uh, disgusting. It's not pandering. Uh, It is completely 
meaningless, vacuous platitudes that seem to kind of get rolled out after every election. Uh, and, uh, I don't know. There's a lot you can read into about like the increased quote unquote division in the United States or what the media is or isn't doing. But like every time we have an election, we put out these commercials where it's like, why can't we all just meet in the middle? Somewhere there's a chapel. It stands in Buttfuck, Kansas. And if it's in the exact perfect middle, and you know, if we could just reach across the aisle in the middle of our freedom and our fear, our service, and our servitude, our ice cream, and our ice cream cake. If we could just shake hands and walk forever together in the sunset, we would finally be happy. And that messaging sucks. It sucks because it completely sweeps under the rug serious problems that exist in our society on both sides that need to be addressed. Like the this myth of like total egalitarian bipartisanship is shit because this commercial in essence is saying you should get along with people who tried to kill you fundamentally that goes against our our programming as humans right like you know if you can agree with your financially or fiscally conservative uncle that's one thing but having a commercial that effectively asks people to come together with people who like stormed the Capitol with zip ties and wanted to kill our democratically elected governors. Not cool. Yeah. I mean, like the FBI has arrested a lot of the major players in this insurrection attempt. If you're saying that I need to unify with literal criminals that the FBI has picked up, I feel like we're going to have a problem. And if you're saying that I need to unify with people who supported those criminals and who who are like-minded with people who tried to storm the Capitol, I think we're going to have a problem because I don't know about you, but I believe in the democratic process and we should honor that process even when we don't like the results. And the same people who are saying I need to unify with them now are the same people who told me to suck it up and just accept the, the, the outcome of the results four years ago. So now – I feel like every four years is a goddamn time to fucking unify. And uh, me saying I don't want to unify right now has nothing to do with me rejecting America. If anything, it's more American to reject people who tried to overthrow America. And a Jeep can go fuck itself and I'm never going to buy from them ever again. And I never yeah, have, my, but still. My, my argument is like we need to examine the American system. Like my patriotism in such that it exists because there are, I choose to live in this country. Like, so I must have some amount of patriotism. I do have faith in inherently democratic systems. And when Donald Trump won, I didn't think he won the election by fraud. I didn't think that there was like voter fraud or anything was stolen. I just knew the system was broken and a lot of people were angry and maybe didn't know what they were doing. Uh, and that sucks. It's a hard pill to swallow, but it's true. So telling us now to unify with people who are like at worst violent fascists and at best people who are trying to undermine uh, the very tenets of democracy that I enjoy I don't appreciate. Yeah. The second part of this, 
the attack on the Jeep Corporation by the coward uh, John is, I think that this is actually marketing genius on the part of Jeep because Jeeps typically are marketed to two kinds of people. Uh, very well-off, tone-deaf neoliberals who have those Black Lives Matter sciences, real love is love signs in the front of their $1.2 million homes that are built on the plot that four homes used to have in a gentrified neighborhood, and like people who literally fly Nazi flags out of the back of a Ford F-150. <laughs> like Jeep appeals to both extremes, like hyper-neoliberals and hyper-monstrous deep south, like jerks uh so great job jeep you're telling the two people who probably want to get along the most uh that they should get along because honestly at the end of the day uh the world doesn't matter that much to them uh so good job jeep uh you played to your demos even though your demos are monsters it's so easy right now to put out the message now is the time to unify because you're essentially you seem like you're not taking a stance. You're saying both sides need to come together, but like the issues are so nuanced right now that saying now is the time to unify is it's in and of itself taking a stance. You're siding with the people who tried to storm the Capitol. You're, you're siding with the, the people who are dissenting because if you're saying I mean, we need to come together. You're saying that on some level we need to agree with any side of their beliefs. And that absolutely should not happen. These people believe in QAnon, which is literally fucking insane. It's a rhetorical device that no one really seems to understand. Is So it's like, when you say, let's when you choose to do nothing, in any case... You are typically not acting in a neutral way. You are actually exemplifying almost a kind of Bayesian rhetoric where you are making a decision based on prior knowledge. So any decision based on prior knowledge isn't going to be inherently neutral. If you're in a room, if you're the third person in a room, and one person has just murdered someone, one person has murdered someone and has a knife and wants to murder you. And the other person is afraid of being murdered and wants to, like, I don't know, disarm the guy, kill him, keep from being murdered. Uh, if you are the guy who's like, listen, let's hear everybody out, everybody's side. You are siding with the the powerful, violent person in that room. Like, you're not neutral if you're telling people that they should get along with bad actors if you're telling a weak person that they should agree with a strong person you're siding with the strong person because if you weren't there they were gonna win anyway right right exactly it's like people are stepping in to excuse the tremendously bad thing that happened on january 6th and uh kind of sweep it under the rug by saying like now is the time for we need to come together, guys. Now, right now, yeah. it's all hold hands. So cowardly. It's it's it, it's such a duplicitous, cowardly thing to say. And the only thing that I can hope for, and I don't know. So this commercial was shot quite a ways before the events of January 6th. They still ultimately made the decision to air it, though. 
So I, I, I don't know. Was the decision to air it them essentially saying, no, we still need to come together, man? Or was there like some marketing person who was like, well, we paid $4 million for Bruce Springsteen. We're not going to say no. I don't know. It, it's hard to read. Very upsetting stuff, though. Yeah. I, I mean, I can kind of get like the sunk cost and you got Bruce Springsteen, whose name I can never pronounce correctly. And... uh I don't know his name and I refuse to learn it. It's hard to pronounce. Look, I'm not good with names. However, I I, I feel like you could have you could have literally had a 30 second ad of silence with just like a Jeep in like one of your showrooms and then just put the word Jeep, you know, superimposed on top of it. And I would have been like, oh, okay, that's kind of neat. Rather than like spouting vitriol and venom against this company. Yeah, like you, you could have done something to not actively engage people's anger at your company. Honestly, if you had showed, if you, at a pace that would induce an epileptic seizure, if you kept showing pictures of Jeeps like one per nanosecond and everyone had like a tiny. A, a tiny subliminal message that just says Jeep rhymes with beep. <laughs> if that had happened for a minute and a half, I would have been less angry about this commercial. Yeah, absolutely. Jeep rhymes with beep would have been a million dollar idea, but instead we got Bruce Springming coming in and platituding us to hell with his ice cream cake nonsense. And it just come on, get, get out of here. Yeah. Very upsetting stuff. On a more positive note, John, let's talk about the commercials we actually enjoyed. Uh, Yes, please. I can't think of any right now, but I'm sure I can once we start. I very much enjoyed the the Doritos 3D Flat Matthew Matthew McConaughey commercial. Flat Matthew McConaughey? Flat Matthew McConaughey was pretty good. I couldn't hear a word he said, but the fact that he was flat was funny, and the fact that... he got turned 3D, and I don't know. Sometimes it's the little joys in life that that bring me uh, joy. Yeah, I don't know. It was a Super Bowl commercial. It was fine. I I like that Matthew McConaughey is just kind of saying yes to anything. So sure, right? Uh, the M and M's commercial with Dan Levy was pretty good. Like the the concept yeah, it had of that giving M and M in it. Th- thank you, M and M's. Yeah, it had and that M and M that was really hot in it. Thank you, one. or like, sorry, your name is is Karen. Was that's pretty funny? I, oh I yeah, guess. that was pretty funny. Yeah, uh, the the General Motors no was Norway. What? That's not okay. The General Motors commercial of Will Ferrell, Keenan Thompson, and Aquafina was pretty good. I have less to say about those commercials than the ones I was furious about. But actually, this was like my favorite one because it was funny. It had three people in it that I quite like. It had a funny premise. Will Ferrell's angry that Norway sells more EVs than America so that he's going to go fight Norway. I think I mentioned (laughs) this when we were talking about it, but like, I don't know. It felt like a commercial that was going to be like a... You know, like those series commercials where you have like three or four over the course of a Super Bowl. It tells a story. It's a fun thing. It really felt like one of those, but that was just one commercial. So I felt kind of robbed. 
Yeah, it, it could have been maybe drawn out a little bit more. Unfortunately, the only runner of the night was for Paramount Plus, which I'm not going <laughs> to bring attention to. So we're going to move on. Yeah, I I have no desire to talk about Paramount Plus. Yeah. Um, I want to do a shout out for the Dexcom commercial and uh, featuring Nick Jonas just because uh, Nick Jonas has type 1 diabetes apparently. And so it's really cool that he got a chance to shout out a technology that might actually help people who have the same affliction. So that, that it's, it's kind of neat. I don't know. I don't yeah, know how much it costs. Commercial. Nick Jonas has diabetes. What's not to like? Yeah, this is pretty good. This is an unfortunate one, but the Bud Light commercial where it rains lemons was actually pretty funny. (laughs) Of the Budweiser commercials, that was a theme of the (laughs) night is that some of the commercials that brought me the most joy just had people getting like owned in the head with items. So it's like really nailed with a lemon uh, (laughs) and it's, it's really funny to me. Just the whole concept, like we thought, it, like it was like, oh, remember what happened last year of 2020? We thought it was going to be like a groan-inducing, like trip through all the bad things that happened, but no, it just rained lemons, and like that's so simple of an idea, so simple of a concept, and just really funny in execution. And like, you know, hats off to you, stupid lemonade seltzer or whatever. Yeah, whatever stupid drink that is, pretty funny commercial. More uh, commercials with people being nailed in the head with juicy lemons. Yeah, yeah, that's all you got to do, really. Like, think of a simple idea and execute on it. If you can use a celebrity, sure. But you you can't just have celebrities in it for the sake of being in it. My anger would have been greatly reduced if at the end of that Jeep commercial, Bruce Springsteen got nailed with a juicy lemon. Right, yeah. Like, if they could have tied it in somehow, it would have been fantastic. Would have been great. And what, I mean, if any brands go together like Jeep and Bud Light Seltzer, <laughs> I'd love to hear them. Right. I also enjoyed the Tide ad with the Jason Alexander hoodie. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I love a hoodie that looks like a flesh. Yeah. I love a flesh hoodie. Flesh hoodies are great. Jason Alexander is a very talented individual. It's very sad he can only get roles where he's very angry because he can do so much more. Yeah, George had range. And it's, uh, you know, Jason Alexander looking exactly the same as he did in the mid-90s, which is insane to me. Well, yeah. I mean, he's got... Now he has that Seinfeld money. He didn't before, but now he's got it. When Now he's got the- it. And now he's going to look the same forever. Of course, he'll never have an, as much money as Jerry, but yeah, hopefully he'll, he'll – I, I, I feel for George. I want him to be good. George is not his name. It is not. Uh, now, of course, we know that uh, Jerry Seinfeld spent all of his Seinfeld money on big fat Reebok sneakers that are white. Uh, and jeans that no one would wear. And, of course, Wayne Knight spent all of his Seinfeld money losing a bunch of weight in the early 2000s. Hats off to him. Yeah, good job, Wayne Knight. Or should I say, Newman. Oh. Um, another shout-out to the Cheetos It Wasn't Me commercial with my, M- Mila Kunis, Aston Kutcher? 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 And uh, Shaggy, whose song It Wasn't Me is. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's good. 
really good. It's work. I appreciate that Aston, Ashton Kutcher appeared to maybe be singing the words badly. So that's nice. Maybe he can't sing. Maybe it was done as a joke. I don't think it I matters. The shower. It was very, it was very enjoyable. I liked it. It was good. Yeah, it was fine. And then the last shout out to uh, the, the the very last commercial of the night, the Amazon Alexa's body with Michael B. Jordan was pretty funny. Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. I like Michael B. Jordan. I like even a little bit work, even a little bit racy for nationally broadcast television, which is usually so safe and content in its weird, wholesome platitude world. Yeah, I'd say it's probably like the the sexiest commercial other than that Bud Light commercial where the Bud Diddley Knight came out of the Avengers portal and said, Diddly, Diddly, do. They killed him. I yeah, love that they killed him. He's dead. Yeah. I feel like that was the marketer saying, like, can we please move on to a new idea? Because our beer is so terrible, we have to keep coming up with these awful, awful gimmicks. Haha, <laughs> Bud Light Avengers. When did Endgame come out? Two years ago? Three years ago? Great. Great marketing. Very good. Very oh, good. Did they put a Game Endgame, of Thrones sorry. reference in there by any chance? Endgame was two years ago. Game of Thrones was the Bud Knight thing. Ah, oh, great. Because that it was all tied up together. It was like Bud Knight and the medieval commercials were at the same time as like Game of Thrones with the diddly diddly stuff or whatever. Diddly diddly. Yeah, I don't know. And uh, I think that's gonna do it for the commercials. So as as a whole, as a total, I don't know where marketers think the world, the the nation, or the zeitgeist is today. Because they were all over the fucking map. We had commercials that were just celebrities, like the, the the lawn commercial that was like, have a good lawn. And it just panned to like five different celebrities real quick. And then we had actually funny ones, like with the lemons and and the ones we just talked about in the Alexa body. And then we had stupid pandering stuff. We had anti-marketing stuff. Everyone was all over the goddamn map. I thought I made this prediction to my parents. I thought we were going to see 50% or more of the commercials being like, we need to come together in these uncertain times. And there was only like one or two of those. So that kind of pleasantly surprised me. Yeah, there were really only a couple. A lot kind of acknowledged the current environment. But yeah, I don't know. A lot of these a lot of these felt like watching commercials written for a different world. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing to me that in the past five years of us doing this podcast – Somebody, some marketing agency kind of cracked the code where it's just like revive a thing from the 80s, include celebrities or be funny. And but the be funny thing is falling by the wayside. And so it's just becoming celebrities revive a thing from the 80s. And that's the pervasive method of getting your message across during the Super Bowl. Either that or you're launching a new service like whatever the fuck Vroom is. Yeah, Vroom or Paramount Plus or I don't know. Like I said, maybe the last year has like effectively turned my stomach against some things. But like I don't know that I was convinced to engage with any of these brands from this, you know. Yeah, I, I thought like with with the hell that we went through last year, the awfulness, all of the brands would be coming together to bring us some joy. But 
all they did was like make us mad or bring us a little bit of joy or it's just how can you be this out of touch is the thing i mean maybe a lot of these were like filmed early i mean i I think this is all part of like a larger problem and just corporations don't know what to say or do right now they really don't and and maybe that's the takeaway the the takeaway is that (laughs) these really are uncertain times but more so for the people who try to have a handle on what's going on so they could they can market their product to us using like contemporary things like it's so uncertain, not even the brands know what the fuck to do. Like, it's that uncertain. I mean, in some ways, they have to pull out old plays in the marketing playbook because, I mean, I guarantee you, like, there was a meeting at some point, like Taco Bell headquarters, where someone was what was like, can we make, like, a coronavirus taco? Is that funny? <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of these just kind of had to go back to the well of, like, what's funny? People getting hit with lemons, sure. Uh, real quick shout out to the Trailblazer, though. Uh, the NFL making a definitive statement that racism is over because <laughs> of the NFL. The NFL killed racism, has never been racist, uh, and will never be racist. So, you know, I think we were all concerned, so that's good to know. The NFL had a a, um, a parade of... A, a multi multitude of of it all you know it, it all takes all of us where we're, we're going to end racism uh, to the point where the field was outlined in black with little messages going around the entire field and um, a particularly funny one was one of the the end zones for the, uh, the one of the teams the Kansas City Chiefs was outlined with a message that said, end racism, and right beneath it, in big letters, chiefs. Oh, no. I uh, I wonder who co- who snuck the end racism on the back of Tom Brady's helmet when he wasn't looking. Oh, I have no idea. I, uh, I don't know. I, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast. I'm not forgetting that MAGA hat he had in his locker. No one should ever forget that MAGA hat he had. Um, also, Tom Brady like took out a PPP loan after the CARES Act passed and bought a yacht. He Aren't bought a fucking yacht! Are we forgetting that he bought a yacht with money that was supposed to help small businesses? Are He's we a- forgetting... <laughs> He took it out to help his vitamin and supplement business he apparently owns, and he bought a fucking yacht. Man, Tom Brady. That's your fucking hero, America? Mr. Thomas Brady? Horrible. Truly a garbage person. Yeah. Hell of an arm, though. You can't, you can't do that. You can't you can't you can't hate the person and like the arm. I can hate 80% of a person. <laughs> Wait, 20% is one arm? How, oh, it's, just... hu- it's huge. Huge arm. <laughs> huge arm. E- even if you did limbs and torso as each being 20%, you still got the head. Yeah, the head is pretty big. Except Tom Brady's tiny little pinhead with its tiny little brain inside of it. Parody. Not actually making fun of Tom Brady. Well, I think that's going to do it for our Super Bowl 
themed commercial. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. You said it like 12 times. Don't worry about it. No, I didn't. No, I was saying. You did a lot. I was saying big game the entire time. Nope. I started out really hard with the big game you stuff. You really did. You really started. I was sticking sure, to it. I was sticking I'm sure to I did it. it too. I'm, I'm sure I did it too. I, I, I wasn't sticking with it the entire time? No, not at all. Are you, you sure? I'm pretty certain. Oh, no. Ooh, I was trying so hard. We always fail every year. We could do some forced engagement this year. Oh, forced engagement? What does that mean? So, every year what we typically do is whoever is editing the episode, they go in and remove when we said Super Bowl. However, what I want you, everyone listening to this podcast to do, I want you to go back and count every time we messed up and didn't say big game and instead said the SB word. And for every time we do that, I want you to email us. And the entire body of the email will be the all uppercase uh, just in all upper, all all capital letters, just the word PUNISH, and send that to us. And I'm being very clear, every time we did it, don't just send one email. Uh, send an email for every time you heard us not say big game and instead the other thing. And I'll go ahead and tell you where you can send that email. But first, Twitter. You can send us a tweet about how bad we did in this episode by saying the forbidden SB word to ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. And I believe my good friend John knows what that stands for. That's right, forced engagement. And if you're the first one to tweet at us because we said the SB word, you can cancel us. That's right. We could be canceled. You can send that email that John described earlier where you say in all caps the word PUNISHED and you do that as many times as we said the forbidden word here tonight. Send that email to email at zerocredits.net. That's email at zerocredits.net and we will receive that email and feel shame for having broken the sacred pact Set forth by the NFL, where we can't even talk about the, 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 the things that happened during the game. That's a violation of their copyright or whatever the fuck. Who cares? Come at me, lawyers. Um, we're also on Spotify. You can find us by searching for Zero Credits on Spotify. Listen to us on the go. Listen to us on the slow. Listen to us on the down low. We're also on Apple Podcasts, and did you know, we just found out, if you rate us and review us on on Apple Podcasts, it helps the growth of the podcast, more people see us, we rise in the charts, isn't that crazy? So if you're listening right now, go leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, do it now, or we'll die. But the most important thing you can do is word of the mouth, tell a friend, Tell a friend. Only talk to friends. Tell a friend that you listen to this podcast and they'll be like, huh, I'll judge you one way or the other based on the quality of this podcast. And it could end your friendship. Risk it all. Put it all. Bet it all. All in, baby. Do it for the sake of the podcast. Because this is the only way zero credits can survive. And I would like to take a moment to say, 
there's a church that sits in the middle of the lower 48, and we can the middle a place where everyone is welcome cross to be. I'm Bruce Springsteen. It's String Born to run. I'm Bruce String Bean, and I'm on fire. You know, that was filmed in Nebraska, but I think there was a 1982 Bruce Springsteen album called Nebraska. Interesting coincidence. Sounds like a conspiracy theory to me, John. Finally, I was getting so tired since QAnon died. Right, we gotta we gotta have a new thread to pull, and this one goes all the way to the top. Bruce drops. Bruce top. And from everyone here at the Zero Credits Infinity Bathroom, I would like to. <laughs> I would. <laughs> we would like to wish you a happy week. Punished. Punished. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.